Welcome to Gold with Jeanette Schneider, nuggets of inspiration for a bigger, better, more purposeful life. Each week we share wisdom, insights, and gold from those living their very best lives. After 23 years in finance, I left my executive role to advocate for women and girls in life, love, the boardroom, and the marketplace. Now the CEO of Live Media, I am thrilled to create wellness-based content and technologies to help you level up and become more conscious of your ripple. The Live app launched Christmas Day for Apple iOS. This is purposeful content, big conversations, and a beautiful place for us to share our gold, our dreams, and create community. Gold is a Live Media production brought to you from the sound studio at the Live headquarters. Valerie Genghis lost her mother in 2011 and experienced profound, life-shattering grief. It was a huge turning point in her life as it caused her to go into a deep suicidal depression, or what she called a complete annihilation of who I was. Shortly after her mother's death, Valerie learned Transcendental Meditation, and in her first meditation, she says, my entire life radically changed in 20 minutes. The spiritual awakening she experienced was a foundational shift and a powerful transformation in both her awareness and her life. Hence the name of her upcoming podcast, Everything You Think You Know Is Wrong. Valerie is a transformational speaker, life coach, and author of Enlightenment is Sexy, Every Woman's Guide to a Magical Life. She specializes in helping people make radical shifts in their self-perception to gain a deeper understanding of who they are so they can genuinely thrive and unleash their magic more fully into the world. Growing up outside Chicago, Illinois, Valerie had an interest in the mysteries of the world and a strong drive to connect with the universe, which she inherited from her mother who was a poet, former nun, and a major influence in her life. She received her bachelor's degree in theology and women's studies from DePaul University and earned her master's degree in transpersonal psychology and certification in leadership and life coaching at Sophia University in Palo Alto. The David Lynch Foundation hired Valerie to give talks about the benefits of meditation and developing consciousness within corporations, including respected advertising and financial firms, private practices, and student groups at top schools around the country, such as Loyola University School of Medicine. She eventually began working directly with Oprah Winfrey and her staff at Harpo Studios, and for two years she talked to groups of Oprah's staff members about meditation and consciousness. Valerie sums up her philosophy for optimal living. Once you're regularly tuning into your soul's voice through daily meditation, prayer, nature walks, whatever works for you, follow the signs, embrace the mystery, and trust the universe. Let's dig in. I am so excited to invite to gold today, Valerie Genghis. Thank you for being here. Thank you for having me. I am very excited about this conversation, and I I think that it's going to be um, one of power and catharsis for anyone listening. Um, And I know you gave me permission to go deep from the very beginning because I think that this is such an important topic, um, especially for anyone who's dealing with grief. And you had such a beautiful story. I know that you were very, very, very close to your mother and um, lost her. And it, it turned into a journey for you um, that has, has, become beautiful in a lot of ways. And I think that would be very hard for anyone to hear who's in in the process of grieving in the moment, which I don't know that the process ever really ends. I think our relationship to it changes. But I would love to kind of go deep on this with you and understand if you could kind of share your background and relationship and what happened and how it's it's put you on this trajectory. Sure. So, um, you know, I had a normal childhood growing up outside of Chicago. 
two parents, older brother, lived in the suburbs. Um, but I had this really extraordinary mom. She was a deeply spiritual person, um, a poet. She was very different than any of the other moms. Um, and I know everybody loves their mom. It's not like, you know, I just know everybody really loves their mom, usually. But mm-hmm. this was a very deep, deep relationship. She was almost like um, a guru to me. She was my spiritual connection to everything in the world. And so when she died, it was like, I just felt like I would never, ever meet anyone again in this lifetime that I would have that deep of a connection with. And it felt like she was my lifeline. So um, she had been battling breast cancer, stage four breast cancer for 14 years. So it had had been a really long road, Um, lots of hospitalizations, surgeries, chemo, radiation, the whole nine yards. And I was living with the anxiety that I would lose her. And when I did lose her, it was like my nervous system, my mind, everything exploded. I mean, it was like all that stress that I had been carrying just came out of me and it, it broke me when she died. And I'm sure that's a pretty common story with people that are taking care of family members or friends that are ill for a long time. You, you're so invested in keeping them alive and keeping them healthy that when they do pass away, it's like the house of cards comes uh, uh, crumbling down. And that's what happened to me. Mm. You talked a lot um, in in some of the interviews that I've seen and some of the things that you've done about how this this really shook you. And um, I I appreciate the House of Cards. I totally get that. I know that your mother um, was a former nun, if I'm not mistaken, and spurred your interest in theology. So you had it wasn't just a mother daughter bond, but she kind of formed, it sounds like in a lot of ways, your worldview. And exactly. That's a perfect way of putting it. Yeah, I can imagine like how that and I, I think like I as you're talking, I'm thinking about my daughter and my relationship with my daughter, you know, um, and how I think of myself as her life concierge. <laughs> my job. I love is, that. Yeah, my job isn't to, to tell her what to believe. It's to open doors for her. And I'm the person that she goes to because she trusts me. You know, she knows that I'm not going to tell her how to do it. I'm going to offer her options and allow her. And so it sounds like to me, like you guys had the same type of relationship. And, you know, when, when she passed and you, you had this just breaking open, what did, what did you do first? Did it, was it just deep grief? Did you pull yourself out of it? Like what was the moment? I, I know that when people pass away, cause I've had several people pass away in my life over the years. And actually I lost a friend two weeks ago and there's the remembrances and there's the beauty of um, all the words, but I don't, I think sometimes the words feel trivial, you know, and you have all of the people around you talking about the different um, uh, stages of grief and how it's layered and that's all helpful, but it all, I I imagine that when it's your mother and you're in that situation, that feels almost like saccharin, right? It feels too sugary. So I'm curious. Feels, it feels surreal because you, well, at least for me, when I first got the news that she passed away, I wasn't with her. Um, I was actually at, at my apartment in the city and my dad called me in the morning. And I, uh, it was like I had a nervous breakdown. I like could not mm-hmm. speak. I could not function. My best friend was there with me. Um, and she almost took me to the hospital. Like I 
went bonkers. And then after that, you know, like my entire family showed up at my dad's house. So now I was surrounded by, you know, like 40 people and everyone's talking to you. And you, now you're just like in survival mode. Then you got to make it through the wake and the funeral. So it like, it comes in pieces. It's after everybody goes away that things mm. get extremely challenging. So yeah, people say stuff to you that feels a little trivial, but it's still such a blessing to have that support around you because you need it so desperately. And then when everyone goes away and you're sitting there in your house by yourself, that's when reality hits. Like this person is gone and they are not coming back. And that to me is when the pain really, really set in. Mm. Um, and it was, I mean, I just became suicidal. Like I could not, I could not pull out of the pain. And I was a person that was happy all the time. Like as far back as I can remember, happy go lucky. She created a magical world for me. She never put pressure on me. I could depend on her. Just like you said, with your daughter, like she was consistently awesome. I knew what I was getting into every single time um, I saw her and that level of trust and yeah. that like deep connection. If you break that, I mean, it can literally like break your soul in half. And that's what, that's what happened to me. Cause I didn't, I didn't have that deep level of trust and um, faith in anyone else in my life. Not because I didn't have friendships and stuff. It was like, I had this like secret world with her. So um, that's when things get really hairy when everyone's gone. And now you got to learn how to live um, in a world without that person. So I just, I started going to therapy. Like I went to a therapist three times a week. It was actually my mom's old therapist. And I kept telling him like, I think I need to go in the hospital. I'm very suicidal. I'm having horrible thoughts. And he was like, no, you're going to come here three days a week and we're going to work through all this. So every day I just told myself, just like, just hang on one more day. You're in survival mode basically. And that went on for about five months till I learned how to meditate. And in one meditation, I was completely pulled out of this like hell realm I was in. So I received a miracle. I know that's not everybody's story, but mm -hmm. that's what happened to me. I think it's so powerful that you gave yourself like touch points, right? So you were like, I just have to get through one more day because I'm going to go to him and he's going to help me, right? And that you gave yourself these little these little points to get to just to be in that survival mode. And like as you're talking, I'm literally I have tears. <laughs> um, I I've always with this this podcast, I've always been like if I'm feeling the emotion, I'm gonna I'm gonna share. And from the viewpoint of of a mother who has such a deep beautiful relationship with my daughter, I'm like I'm definitely gonna be taking all of my supplements and my vitamins. <laughs> I mean, I just right <laughs> right. Your your fear is real because I'm sure I can feel through you this level this connection you have with your daughter and like yes yeah the worst my mom. My mom said at the end, like, I'm not worried about anybody but Val because mm -hmm. she knew, like, I used to tell her, I can't live without you. Like, I can't. I'll, please do not, like, die on me. But, I mean, you can't stop that. It, it's not rational thinking now that I'm looking back on it. Right. But you just, you're desperate. And, like, now I have so much empathy and compassion for other people that are going through this because I've been there. And that's the gift yeah. that that level of grief gives you. It makes you a better, kinder 
more nurturing person. So tell me about your relationship with Transcendental Meditation, because I practice TM. I actually, yeah, so I I totally understand. Um, And I I know when I first started it, I mean, I wasn't going because I was grieving. I was going because I had severe anxiety. And the first couple of times I did it, I I would cry through my meditations because there's stuff that I needed to heal. And then I fall asleep for like three hours. (laughs) It was what, oh my God, that's what happened to me. I, I had a horrible sleeping disorder. Um, actually the whole time my mom was sick and I'm sure it was because I had so much anxiety about her dying and I tried everything to sleep. I mean, everything from like pills to, you know, having a couple Mm -hmm. glasses of wine at night, whatever. Again, I was in that desperate position And when I learned TM, um, the first day I went home, first of all, like, uh, my entire changed in 20 minutes. So they gave me my mantra. I actually started like, uh, it it was like, I was falling into my meditation. I was transcending while she was doing the ceremony. It, It like started well, because you'll appreciate, I actually found out about a year after I learned to meditate, um, I was working at Harpo Studios with Oprah Winfrey's team. They had all learned TM. And I was telling my dad, like, I got to go to work four days in a row because there's another group of people learning to meditate. And my dad said to me, this is so weird, but I took your mom to, um, it was like a house in the suburbs of Chicago, four days in a row to learn how to meditate. And I was like, what? Mom would never do TM. Because she was like, d- she didn't seem like she would be interested in that. Mm-hmm. And he was like, well, I don't know. I'm just telling you what I did. And we found her in the records. And my mom had learned TM December of 1975. And in January of 1976, she was pregnant with me. So I think when I learned to meditate, it's like I came back home because I had been meditating in her belly yeah. when I was a baby. But I never I never knew that. She never told me. I didn't know what TM was. Mm-hmm. Nothing. And so it was so powerful for me. And the first, oh, well, other than opening my eyes and feeling like I was in a new world, the next thing that happened was that I slept like 15 hours a day, like for a yep. week. It's insane. It was incredible. It's insane. When you first when you first tried it that very first time, can you can you give me any like what were the feelings? Were there any specific feelings that you felt? Did you have a hard time like or was it immediately into that 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 mindless state? I told my TM teacher the truth. I said, um, I'm suicidal. I'm like, I don't I'm desperate. I don't know what to do. But like at the same time, I had no I had zero expectations of what this was going to do for me because at that point I'd given up on everything. I just like, I didn't care. I was Mm kind of checked out and, um, she was like, you know what? Don't worry about anything. We're just going to do this. No big whip. And as soon as I closed my eyes, I fell into a space inside of myself that I never knew existed. It was pure peace, pure silence, like it was unbelievable. It's like I fell into heaven inside of my own body. That's and um, it was amazing. And I meditated with her for 20 minutes. Like, you know, we meditate 20 minutes in the morning and 20 minutes at night. And mm-hmm. uh, I like fell into this space inside of myself that I did not know existed. It was like 
pure peace, pure silence. It felt like I had like landed in heaven, but it was inside of me. I love and that. And it was a game changer. I mean, nothing was ever the same after that for me. Today Gold is brought to you by Live Media and the Live app, now available on the Apple App Store. We believe that a healthy you today leads to a healthier world tomorrow. To that end, we have created accountability features on a platform of curated coaches and thought leaders in a wide variety of areas, all to bring each person to their best self as a whole and healthy individual. We do this through time-proven tools that offer personal accountability, measurable growth, a support system, and community. At all times, Live guests have access to an accountability coach or to our network of coaches through email submission. Whether you simply want to goal set with a little support or have a coach provide you a monthly plan, we've got you. Search Live Media Inc. in the Apple App Store or link to us through our Instagram account at loveisviral.media or mine at ms.janetteschneider. Do you feel, and this is one of the things that I've, I've learned over time, because there are times when my meditation is a little bit more difficult than other times. And one of the things I always go back to is it's not the quality of the meditation in the moment, although we're always searching for that high. You know what I'm talking about? That space where it's like you're completely out of it. Um, but I recognize even when my meditation isn't ideal or I'm struggling to get back to my mantra multiple times, it's the life I live in between my meditations that absolutely yes you nailed it so tell me how of course you immediately started this was a practice that you took on and what was your journey from that space because I know that you you talk about how you spent some time alone you spent some time in solitude did you create a practice that existed outside of TM in order to help you through this well what happened to me was that like I mean, weeks after learning how to meditate, it was like my life opened up to me again. And I had a new career. I started working with the David Lynch Foundation and my TM teacher, and I was doing a lot of public speaking. And then all of a sudden I was like writing and people were noticing my writing and um, all these gifts of me that were like lying dormant mm -hmm. came out. So I just started pursuing them. And also a huge change was that I loved spending time alone and I was never that way before. I always had a boyfriend and tons of friends and, you know, I was in the restaurant and bar business. I was like around people constantly, but something major had shifted in me and spending time alone was just like fueling this fire. And it was amazing. I mean, that's a gift to be able to spend time alone and not need other people around all the time. You're just, you're happy mm -hmm. within yourself. Well, I think not only are you happy within yourself, but you start to become known to yourself. And I think that's the part I love about my practice and my alone time. My, I remember my ex-husband was like, I was gone for a week and the TV is still off. <laughs> like, I don't understand. <laughs> I'm like, he's like, it's still on the thing that I left it on. And I was like, I'm, okay. I'm, I'm happy not entertaining. I don't need to entertain myself. Um, right, because I, there's a whole world inside of you already, and you're tapping into it. Yeah, my creativity came to came, like came out in a whole new way, um, and and my gifts started like it's it's all of a sudden you're like okay, I'm starting to release. And I've also noticed too, like there are times when I'll meditate, and like a certain memory will pop up, 
and I've learned I'm releasing something, right? Like I'm letting something go. And I half the time, I didn't even know that that was still within me. And it's a memory, like something I haven't thought about forever. And it will pop up and will come out. And I went through, you know, with me when I came to TM, um, it was going through, we were trying to decide if we were getting divorced. It was kind of like, and then through my divorce. And um, so it was a different type of grief. And it was what kept me together. And then I created, it was like you said, like you kind of get into this place where you feel more grounded within yourself. You've found heaven within yourself. And you don't feel that you need to rely as deeply on distractions or on entertainment or on anything other than, I don't know. I don't know what it, I don't even know what to call it. <laughs> like, what do you call it? It's, it's, it's a gift. It's like the whole universe is like inside of you and there's like, all this mystery, you know, that's inward and you're discovering new things every day that normally you wouldn't have access to. And really the portal is, is silence, mm-hmm. right? So once you have that, it's just like a whole brand new world. And how, I mean, that to me is way more exciting than like what's going to be on television or going on a random date with somebody. I don't know. And not that that's not nice, but right. this is like, this is number one for mm-hmm. me. So people can call it God. They can call it the universe, but you're just tapping into this like incredible world inside. And if you never had access to that before and all of a sudden you do, I mean, you become somewhat intoxicated with it. And then, like that, you know, yeah. it smooths out after a while. It becomes your new normal. But um, I think it's it's the greatest gift we can give ourselves. It really is just coming back home. You're just coming back to yourself. But if you don't have access to that, no one ever tells you Mm -hmm. like, this is the way to live. Then you're just, you know, always looking outside of yourself and you'll never get true fulfillment living like that. You're just, you'll always be reaching. And, um, I think because of all the pain I endured and I finally just surrendered to the, the grief. I mean, it just, it was excruciating. And I just fell to my knees and gave up. And it was because of that, that I think I was led to, you know, it happened to be TM for someone else could be something else, but it -hmm. saved me. But I had also surrendered. Like I knew that I knew nothing and I knew that um, I couldn't do it anymore just on, on my own. I needed, I needed God. I needed support and, um, it worked. I love what you said about like, I mean, that surrendering in that space where you're like, I know nothing. I remember very specifically getting to that space when I was searching because I was in so much pain. And that was probably one of the most profound statements that I think we're afraid of getting to because we're always looking for ways to explain things away or explain our bad behavior or pretend like things aren't so bad. But when you get to the spot where you're like, I give up, I surrender, I know nothing. It's so powerful because you're like you're taking complete and total control of your behavior up until that point, And you're kind of just dropping it all to the floor and like, guide me, show me. I don't know. And I, I wish more people would get there before something really terrible happens. You know what I mean? Well, I wish. And, and, it, and yeah, I, I wish it, too. But, you know, I've learned now um, through talking to all these different people. It's like for me, it was losing my mom. Okay. Mm -hmm. So that was my breaking point. But for someone else, it might be a divorce or losing all their money or whatever, whatever it's going to be. It's going to be something 
because the point of that happening to you is to get you to a place where you can surrender because that's when your life really begins. Yeah, no, and I, we're like, we're like humans that don't, we don't like pain. We don't want to go there, but unfortunately, or fortunately, that's, that's the way that you get pushed to that point. And then like, that's your, it's a new day. That's when your life be, has more meaning. And um, your again, your creativity comes out and you want to help others. It's just like, I don't know. It's like a, a chance to do it again and to do it right. Yeah, no, I agree. And I think it's such a beautiful space once you get there. There's something really freeing about it to where you're like, anything is possible. I think I, I appreciated that point, too, when I got to this really kind of ugly, broken, open place. I was like, I can change my entire life today. I can. That is right. You know, like all of a sudden you have all this power. Power? Yes. <laughs> it's like that is the ultimate power. Like that's the edge you're looking for. I mean, even though you weren't looking for it, but when it like when that grace hits you and mm. you know that the universe is at your back and like you can do anything, it's yep. incredible. I love that. This word keeps coming up for me with the, the word grace. Like it's come up a lot lately and and how important it is to play within that space and to allow it for yourself. And I think it's so valuable to to not hold things so in such a rigid fashion, right? Where we allow ourselves that grace and that ability to, I've remade my life so many times. Like I'm so good at it at this point. <laughs> and like I see, I see people who like hold like really hard onto things and they're like, no, but life should look like this. And I need this job and I need this thing and I need this whatever. And I want to be married by this date. And I want to, and I'm like, if you just let go and I know it's so hard for us to do, there's just such beauty in that that space of surrender and that space of grace and that space of like, I'm going to allow my life to unfold. And yeah, it's just a really beautiful place to play in. That's like, that is living with wonder. You know, it's, mm -hmm. I, I feel like, again, if it, in a way, like when my mom died, I died, like my old self died and any idea about like, you have to be married by this point and you need to have this job. And I mean, that just seemed like total bullshit to me after having these experiences. So, um, this way of living is so much more interesting. You're, you're like, you're letting the universe guide you. And my mom used to always say to me, like, God has a way cooler plan for you than you could ever dream up. So mm -hmm. knowing that and now experiencing, it, it's like, just have fun. You know, everything's not a big deal and it all works out in the end. I love that. Everything's not a big deal. <laughs> it's like, it's really not. I mean, it's really not. I appreciate that so much. I, I'm, I'm curious for you, like when they talk about layers of grief, even though you have your TM practice and you have like, you've created this kind of place for yourself. Do you still experience those layers? Is it in moments or memories? Do you still have moments where it's, it's a triggered memory? Um, I'm, I'm guessing those things come up, but I'm curious as to how you deal with them now. They absolutely come up. And like, since my mom died, I've had eight other family members die. Like my brother oh, wow. died last year and every year before that, like someone in our family died so I just started noticing that um, I could handle their deaths with more grace and, you know, in a calm manner and be actually helpful to the person instead of completely falling apart. So that's 
that's good. That's a good thing. That being said, like it was the anniversary of my mom's death in January uh, on the 25th. She's been gone nine years. I cried like the whole day mm. because our bodies like our bodies don't forget, you know, that trauma is still in me, whether I feel good 99 percent of the time and, you know, I feel strong most of the time. It's still like it's still there and I don't fight it anymore because I can't get rid of it. It's just yeah. It's like, okay, I'm going to cry all day and I'm going to feel like a trash can today. But then the next day I woke up and I felt fine. So I feel like I can kind of like witness what's happening and accept it and just deal with it and, you know, keep moving forward. Yeah. And I always tell myself, you know what, you'll be dead before you know it. This is such a short lifetime and then I'll just be reunited with everybody because time has also taken on a new flavor for me. And it doesn't feel like it's dragging on. It feels like this lifetime's like a blink of an eye. Mm -hmm. And that probably is because I don't take everything so seriously. And I kind of like am rolling with it. And that feels like I'm rolling with time also. Is that what it is? Because I've been, I'm like, time's flying. And I, I was actually, I have an executive flying. coach. It is. And I was working, I work with this executive coach and I used to have all these fears about aging and you know wrinkles and all this stuff. And I'm like, but I've it changed a lot and I've gotten to this point where I'm like, I'm, I'm totally cool becoming an Oracle. Like I'm, instead of my, thinking of myself as a senior citizen, I'm going to refer to myself as an Oracle. <laughs> like, yeah. That, I mean, would you really awesome. go back to your twenties or no, God, no, me neither. So it's all, I feel like it's all good. Even death. It's okay. We're all going to die. Yeah. Like we cannot stop that train. So yeah. if you can make peace with that, um, I feel like you you will be a lot more helpful to the people around you when they need you the most. Yeah, absolutely. It's so interesting. So I have a, a really, she was a very close friend of mine, passed away from um, brain, she had a brain tumor, uh, cancer, and passed away years ago. And it's so weird because I think of her often, but I'll be at an airport and I'll someone will walk by and I'll do a double take because I'm like, Briar? Like it, it's... Mm-hmm how people like live within you. Do you know what I mean? Like, and I'll be at a restaurant and I'll order a salad that they've never ordered before. And then I'm eating it. And then all of a sudden I'm like, Oh my God, this is a salad she ordered every time we would like, they're still in your muscle memory. They're still within your DNA. And it's almost like, so you're, you have access to them, even though they've passed away. It's really like, they're just in the next room. Mm -hmm. We just have like such a thick veil in front of our eyes that we can't see that, but it is possible to communicate with your loved ones. Yeah. It's not that big of a deal. Did you did you have that same belief before she passed? No. I I think the reason that I felt so suicidal is because I didn't know where she was. I thought she was, like, lost in space. Mm. And, like, I needed to go get her. I mean, I went off the rails. And then I started having experiences where I was able to communicate with her. And, you know, it was, like, obvious things were happening during the day that I felt like she was you know, giving me signs and letting me know that everything was okay. Mm-hmm. And when that became my new, like normal, then yeah. I felt like I understood death and it, and it was okay. Not that I could understand the whole scope of things, but, um, I felt more comfortable with it because I felt like I had a little bit of experience with it. Yeah, absolutely. There's one thing I want to, I want to make sure that I touch on because, um, it's important to me. Like I appreciate so much the fact that you said out loud, I am suicidal and that you told people and that you tell people, because I think that, you know, that's someone who wants to live 
right? And who needs help. And there's so many people who deal with dark thoughts and deal with grief and sadness and thoughts of suicide because they're in so much pain who are afraid to say it out loud. And like, I just, I really am, I appreciate the fact that you're so open about it because I don't know that everyone would have the ability to do that. And I I, I hope that someone hears this and is like, there are other ways, you know? Yeah. I mean, at the time when it was actually happening to me, I did tell my therapist, but I kept it. It was like, I was secretive about it or something. I was quietly plotting in my brain, like how I was going to kill myself. I, you know, got my aunt and uncle to take my dog because I told him I was going to go to Europe for a while. Like I was planning. So now I feel like I have like some insight into Mm -hmm. the mind of someone that's suicidal because you enter into your own dark world. It just felt like it was black on black on black. And I couldn't, I couldn't get out. Now I did tell my therapist and his reassurance of like, no, it's going to be okay. I think kept me going Mm -hmm. because there was like a tiny shred of hope, but I mean, people that kill themselves, like it's like they're already dead before they do it because you've entered into like a dimension that you cannot pull yourself out of. It's, it's so dark. So Uh, you know, like the idea of like in religions that if you killed yourself, you'd go to hell. I mean, that is totally bizarre to me because Mm -hmm. you are in hell if you get to the point where you are going to kill yourself because it's so dark. And Mm. thank God that that has not happened to me again since that time period. But at least I understand if I'm talking to someone that's having those types of thoughts, Mm -hmm. like kind of where they're at. Yeah. Yeah. You have to reach out for help. Um, or you could just get sucked into it and you just can't get out. Yeah. No, I think it's it's so important to talk about, it. especially I had a, um, a therapist that I work with um, on my app and who's been on the podcast. And she specifically talks about teen suicide, um, especially because it's becoming more and more prevalent. The numbers are alarming and we have lots of kids who um, are dealing with new feelings and new emotions. You know, they don't know how to navigate and, you know, they're bullied or they're they have some type of emotional pain that's that's deep and painful and how sad. And so like my daughter and I talk specifically about suicide and mental health and we do mental health check ins. Um, and that is so responsible and very cool of you to do that. Yeah, I, I, it's well, and she's very aware of the world around her. And we have such like I told you, we have such a deep relationship. I so I had to wear a heart monitor for a while. I've had some issues with my heart. And um, ever since she saw the heart monitor, there have been a lot of questions about, Mommy, what is the absolute best case scenario and what's the absolute worst case scenario? Could you die? You can't leave me. You're all I have. Like you're you're. Oh, God. Yeah. So, yeah. So I'm like. Let's talk about all of these things. And like even so with this procedure I have to have, I'm practicing the conversation that I have to have with her to explain like the, you know, because I know my kid is very logical. So I need to explain this is the mortality rate. This is the success rate. One outweighs the other by a lot, you know, and this will help. Have your doctor, doctor talk to her just like for another level of assurance because I can feel how scared she is. Like that's how I was. Yeah. Except I was an adult. Yeah, but it, no, and it's I, scary. It is scary, and I think the other thing too is like she's such a bright kid um, that she understands things at a deeper level sometimes than the kids around her. And so um, we actually she's in a gifted program, and they put me in a support group to talk about the mental health of gifted kids. 
And so I'm in a, in a in a session once a week with a group of parents, and their kids are in eighth grade um, on uh, medication and going to therapists because they're they're severely depressed. And we had this really deep conversation about why it's important to discuss mental health and how you can help your child learn to check in with themselves and raise a flag. And the way she understands it is she she understands the Kate Spade situation. And so she'll be like, so suicide is like Kate Spade. And she's like, why is she? I'm like, well, that's called depression. And she was very sad. And this is the stuff that we talk about. And um, we have kind of like little conversations like every couple of weeks. And her, her teacher, which I will give her credit for, has a lot of gifted students in his class. So he actually has each of them. They have a, a journal or a book. And every single week they fill out a page that he's pre-printed. That's like, today this is bothering me. Today this is, you know, what I'm excited about. Because he wants to check in on their mental health because they feel so much more pressure. And I'm like, oh, my God, I love that we're normalizing this in the classroom. I love that they put me in a support group to help her. And I love oh, it. it's so great. Yeah. And I feel like we just need to shine a light on these type of conversations across the board and give parents the tools to be able to say, you know, let's let instead of being scared of talking about it, like, oh, I don't want to put that in their head. Well, I can almost guarantee you that someone's going to like. That's or, right. They read yep. the news. They have the internet. And another thing is like, I mean, the world is so different for children than what my reality was when I was a little kid. We didn't have cell phones, and like, mm-hmm. we weren't sitting like playing video games for ten hours a day, and we were like interacting with other humans and playing and getting tons of exercise and just and just yeah. being kids. And that's like not the reality anymore. And it's not natural for like a kid to be in fifth grade and on their cell phone like all day or sitting in front of a TV playing video games for eight hours a day. And it's not good for their brains. So I think there has to be something in place to be checking in on these kids because it's not like a totally natural existence. Yeah. No. And they have so much access to so much information. She actually brought up to me, she saw a cartoon that was on YouTube that had gotten into the kids section. And it was of a girl committing suicide um, in a bathtub or. Jesus Christ almighty. I mean, come on. That's awful. I know. And she's like, mommy, I don't understand. And she she explained it to me. And I was like, "Okay, let's set some mental parameters (laughs) and show me where that is. Right. Like, so not only do you like I I can control so much, but you're going to see things. And I've told her that you're going to see things I don't want you to see. So I need to give you the mental like control and levers and you won't get in trouble if you come to me and talk to me about it, because I want to be able to walk you through that experience and you know, those are the kinds of conversations we're having. Like, if you have a new experience or a new thought, don't be afraid to tell me because you're worried I'm going to get upset you are on YouTube late at night um, when you were supposed to be in bed. <laughs> um, and you need to have those conversations with me so that I can I can help you understand them. You're being totally authentic with her. And, like, you're, I can tell you're a very magical mom. And that is such a gift. That Take it from me. That is a gift. And that's what my mom left me with, like, it's it's so empowering and um, it, it just turns you into a different type of person when you have a mom like how you're acting with your daughter and how my mom was with me. It's I don't know. It's it's the best. So yeah. great. Great job. Thank you. I, I feel very lucky to have this little person. Um, 
I have a couple of questions for you that I ask everyone. And and, ba- and based on our conversation, I feel like these are going to be pretty deep. <laughs> so um, if you were to look back at a younger version of yourself and were to give her advice, how old would she be and what advice would you give her? Um, I think I would start at 20 years old. That's That's when I found out my mom, she told me she had stage four breast cancer. And like, I think I would have told myself like, chill out. It's going to be okay. Stay in the present moment. Cause I was always freaking out about the future with her. And that caused me so much anxiety and so much pain and, um, a lot of confusion. So just staying present and like taking things as they come day by day, it would have been so helpful to, to have that mindset. But I didn't, I didn't, I didn't have the tools to, stay in that place at that point. So yeah. I, that's what I would definitely tell myself. I appreciate that. Um, I can't imagine, you know, that would be very hard. That would have been a very, a very big um, gift and a lot of maturity for a 20 year old. You know what I mean? To, to stay present. But I think that that's really beautiful and important because so many times we, become wrapped up in the eventuality of things or the worry about the concern and instead of just really living in that moment and just enjoying that person right then, right there. Um, That's right. And and you can't stop what's going to happen. So right. there's no point. Like, I know it's easier said than done, but mm-hmm. really looking back on it, oh my God, I spent so much time freaking out. Like every doctor's appointment, every phone call from the doctor, you know, it's just, it was totally overwhelming now that I'm thinking about it. Yeah. No, I can't imagine. Um, second question. If you were transitioning from this life um, and you wanted to leave behind some gold nuggets of wisdom or inspiration, what would they be? I would say, <laughs> I, this sounds kind of radical, but I always tell people like do the opposite of what everybody else is doing. Mm-hmm. Slow it down, you know, be quiet, meditate, just take everything down a notch. Cause we live in such a fast paced world. We're always like pushing, pushing, pushing. And it's so unhealthy. And again, it takes us out of the present moment. Mm-hmm. So that's what I would like to leave behind. Just like calm down, take it down a notch and look around you and see what works for you and what doesn't and do the opposite of what most people <laughs> are doing. Because, you know, it's, it's, it's not healthy for us. It, it doesn't bring happiness to be running around like nutcases. It just doesn't. It causes anxiety, takes us away from our true selves, our best selves. So I'm a big fan of just slowing it down. I love that. It's like, what's your big grand advice? And it's very important, but I love it. Like, take it down a notch. <laughs> I'm going to need you at a level five. <laughs> Everything is not the end of the world. It's going to be okay. <laughs> Oh, I love it. Well, I want to thank you so much for sharing your gold with us and your heart and your soul because this was a really beautiful conversation. I could feel you. So I just want to thank you so much for for sharing with us. And if anyone wants to um, follow you in your journey, where can they go? Um, I have a website, which is my name, ValerieGangus.com. And then I post a lot on Instagram. I'd say that's where I'm most active on social media. It's also just my name, Valerie Gangus on Instagram. I love it. Thank you so much for being with us today. I appreciate you. Thank you so much for having me. I I really, I love that I met you. 
Oh, yay, me too. <laughs> this is a great conversation. Thank you so much for listening today. I loved this episode and I loved this woman. So many tears were shed while we talked and I hope you took something beautiful away that just might change your life or your perspective. To learn more about Valerie and her work, visit Valerie's website at ValerieGangus.com and her Instagram at ValerieGangus. As always, please subscribe to this podcast, leave a review, and don't forget to share with your friends. You can find me on Instagram at either ms.janetteschneider or the live movement at loveisviral.media or live at loveisviral.com. Get deep in the work with me to uncover your messaging before you pass it on to your children or the people you influence. Order my book, Lore, Harnessing Your Past to Create Your Future, available on Amazon or barnesandnoble.com. Until next time, in the words of my grandma, love each other every day.